0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the flagship podcast. We are, well, it's January 14th, the day after the national championship game between LSU and Clemson. And, of course, I'm joined by Horn's 24-7 managing editor, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing?
1: I am doing great, Chip. How about you?
0: Well, I had LSU and Joe Burrow mm-hmm. last night. So, you know, and I said this, I said, for weeks I've said that Joe Burrow is Ed Orgeron's Vince Young. Right. Right. And that he needed to seize the moment because you that's a once-in-a-coaching-career kind of quarterback. I mean, we've never seen those numbers. It's a once-in-a-lifetime. Right. 60, 60 touchdown passes, six interceptions, 5,000 yards passing. He came up, what, uh, five-tenths of a point shy of Colt McCoy's single-season completion percentage record. Yep. And on a 15 and O team after transferring out of Ohio state and Tom Herman found the guy when Herman was at Ohio state.
1: It is kind of interesting to me a little bit with, I know that, you know, Tom Herman was really big on Sam Ellinger and I'm not knocking Sam in any way, shape or form, but after his true freshman season, I don't think a lot of people necessarily saw what Sam Ellinger could develop into just because it was so up and down, you know, and and which happens with you know, true freshman starters, especially a quarterback. But it does kind of, it's kind of interesting to me that with Tom recruiting Joe Burrow to Ohio State, the relationship that they have apparently maintained, I mean, I remember seeing them on the field after the LSU game when Texas played them this uh, past football season. And the fact that Tom didn't go after him as a transfer, just kind of, it's, it's a little bit of a head scratcher. I almost feel like maybe we've seen this so many times at Texas with, quarterbacks that Texas didn't get you know with however many have come out over the years um, especially during the Mack Brown era but it's just kind of interesting to me that you know Joe Burrow was not really ever on Texas radar when he was looking to transfer
0: yeah yeah I mean it's it is fascinating I mean you talk about these sliding doors of opportunity and and relationships right life is about relationships and we may never know what the conversation, if any, between Burrow and Herman with regard to, you know, did Burrow actively seek Tom Herman out at Texas or, you know, just what it was? Because obviously Burrow is a game changer, total game changer, Heisman Trophy winner, I mean, record setter, unprecedented, but. It is what it is. LSU is the national champ, and Tom Herman is still searching for coaches to fill out his staff after Hurricane Herman blew through the staff December 1st, Taylor. so Since our last episode of the Flagship Podcast, and if you're not a member of Horns247.com, come on, because you could get an annual membership and... Do that, because then you get VIP access to all the team sites in the 24-7 Sports Network, in addition to all the scoop that you get at Horns 24-7 from Taylor, from myself, from the godfather, Bobby Burton, who created this industry, and Mike Roach, and Jeff Howe, and so, come on, we got a lot of excitement, we got new coaches we're going to be following in spring football, and... Well, it's just it's just a fun place to pull up a bar stool too. So, uh, get over to horns247.com. Take advantage of of the annual membership. So, Taylor, when last we spoke, um, Andre Coleman had not yet been hired as receivers coach.
1: lie too. Texas fans now know which came out you know later last week um, about the decision not to maintain cornerbacks coach Jason Washington and. Safety's coach and interim defense coordinator Craig Niver. But one of those roles has been hired or has been filled with uh, former Rutgers cornerbacks coach, Jay Valai being hired to take over for Washington. You know, Chip, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on some of these new hires.
0: Well, Jay Valai was a total surprise. Like the people I talked to who covered him at Rutgers were like, wait, what he's being interviewed or considered at Texas. So, you know, I think this is one where Chris Ash is got, you know, got total say over this, obviously, because uh, Jay Valai was his cornerback's coach at Rutgers. Now he was only there one season, and it was the season where Chris Ash was fired. For it was last season, four games into uh, the 2019 season, Chris Ash was fired at Rutgers, and Jay Valai uh, was still there, finished out the season, and then was basically picked back up by Chris Ash as he now becomes the Texas defensive coordinator. So Chris Ash coaches the secondary. That's his expertise. He coached Jay Valai at Wisconsin. He believes in this guy. Everything that I've heard is the guy is just high energy that he's all about. You know, he connects with players and he connects with recruits, but the sample size is so small. It is a total, uh, have faith in Chris Ash thing for the fans because this is on him. I mean, he's picking Jay Vali, and we'll, we'll see what it is. He sees in him. I mean, we, you and I have joked in the past about Brian Carrington, that Tom Herman found him in a restaurant as a bartender and, and Brian Carrington's one of the more valuable, Certainly, on-campus recruiters connects with players, and and so if 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 it's the right fit, it doesn't really matter how they got there. But like I said, when I talked to some people who covered Javale at Rutgers, they were like, "Wait, what?
1: Yeah,
0: they Texas is hiring him, right? Oh, okay,
1: so well, it yeah." Uh, and one thing, Chip, I think it'll be interesting to see how recruiting-wise that goes, because Jay Valai has never gone through or signed a recruiting class in his career.
0: He was an analyst at Georgia, mm-hmm. and then with the Chiefs as an analyst, or quality right. control.
1: Right, yeah. So, you know, how many home visits has he been in? How many, you know, face-to-face interactions away from campus has he had with, you know, a lot of high school coaches, especially in the state of Texas? I mean, there's a lot of questions, but... I do think that having a younger type of guy you think could connect more in a similar fashion that Brian Carrington does with recruits.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it, no question that uh, it was uh, a bit of a surprise, but mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, again, um, you know, Andre Coleman hired as receivers coach makes some sense. He was an analyst on staff. He's a former offensive coordinator uh, under Bill Snyder at K-State. Now, it was the final year of the Bill Snyder era there before Bill retired. In fact, uh, you broke the story about uh, the, the analysts and how little Texas had to pay for them because they were all receiving um, buyout compensation uh. for being dismissed. Larry Fedora at North Carolina, Andre Coleman at K-State. So Texas got their their services as an analyst for like twenty five thousand right a year yeah
1: twenty five thousand a year, and I know you know a lot of times analysts are not paid a ton, especially if they are just you know leaving a former position um but still, even if you compare that number to what Alabama pays their analyst, for instance, um, it's significantly lower, and then you have to think that the cost of living in Austin, Texas is higher than that in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, so uh, yeah, I mean, Tom Herman kind of struck gold a little bit with all of the analysts he was able to pick up. I think total, there was, what, four analysts at 100,000 total, I think. So that's, that's not bad. You know, it's a good financial decision. But as you know, you mentioned, Andre Coleman now has been promoted from interim receivers coach. You know, at the bowl game, he, uh, the Alabama Bowl, he coached receivers. He also went on the road recruiting for Texas when he was activated as an interim receivers coach after Tom Herman got rid of Drew Merringer and reassigned Corby Meekins, So he has at least a little in-home visit experience um, at Texas now that he was able to go on the road in early December to sign these guys in the early signing period.
0: The biggest thing I heard, Taylor, about Andre Coleman and probably the biggest reason he got the job was he connected with the players. This receivers group has been... In a weird situation, there's been tension with with their position coaches, um, and I don't know how much of it is real or perceived or whatever, but there there was tension. I mean, we know that Brendan Eagles walked out at one point and and missed the TCU game, a huge game that they needed him because. He was upset about the communication or the the form of communication, how he was supposed to be communicating with Herman uh, through Drew Merringer and it didn't work and then you know it was a mess. And so Herman fires Merringer. I don't know how much of it again, I don't know how much you know, blame or where the blame lies or what exactly happened, but that group needed a coach that they connected with because listen your receivers coach has to be a one of your best recruiters and b a guy who can deal with the diva mentality of a receiver right right yeah, just like yeah just like your defensive backs or cornerbacks coach needs to be a a great recruiter and a guy who's got the personality and swag to deal with the you know the cockiness of the defensive backs so I like Andre Coleman from that standpoint. This is a guy who returned a kick 98 yards for a touchdown in a Super Bowl and tied a Super Bowl record uh, playing for the San Diego Chargers in 1994 when they lost um, to the 49ers. But it, Andre Coleman played the game. He was a receiver at K-State. He was highly productive as a player. And then he worked with guys like Tyler Lockett, who's a pro bowler in the NFL, and thousand-yard receiver Byron Pringle, and the other thing is that he was a big player in the return game at K-State, and helped a guy like D.J. Reed, who was a defensive back, become a second-team All-American, a first-team All-Big 12. He was top two in the nation in punt and kick return in 2017. Returned, you know, each a punt and a kick for touchdowns, and I don't know. We might have seen some. Influence from Andre Coleman already with Deshaun Jameson in the Alamo Bowl with the 71-yard and 25-yard punt returns. Special teams, especially in the return game, is about confidence, and it's about whether you, you have a coach who frees you up to, to make returns or he coaches out of fear and just wants you to secure the catch and make a fair catch. We've seen Charlie Strong. He was all about the fair catch. He yeah. Was- Didn't want to turn it over. Tom Herman's been a little bit more open to, to the return game, but even then we've seen horrible decisions in the return game in three seasons under Tom Herman. So I'm hoping that between Andre Coleman and the next coaching hire, we're going to talk about um, Coleman Hutzler that Texas finally gets aggressive in the return game. And, starts to make some positive uh, plays out of the return game that lead to actual points because we, we know that there were times this year where the offense really bogged down toward the end of the year and they needed, they needed special teams help to to assist in in racking up some points. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm good with the Andre Coleman hire. I'm good with that.
1: yeah. And later in the show, we're going to talk to publisher of GoPowerCat.com, Tim Fitzgerald, for his take of Andre Coleman, both as a position coach and as a recruiter. Um, you know, Fitz and the guys over at GoPowerCat do a great job. They're always on top of the Kansas State news. They've been the leading uh, producer of Kansas State breaking news for goodness decades. It seems like with a uh, Fitz over there, so. We'll have him on to get his take on Andre Coleman, but, you know, Chip, you bring up another good point, another hire that Texas has made, and this was, Chip actually broke the story Tuesday morning saying that um, Texas will hire former South Carolina linebackers coach and special teams coordinator Coleman Hutzler, and Texas has since confirmed that news of his hire, so I do think, you know, he's going to be co-defensive coordinator at Texas and linebackers coach, but... One thing I do think with the combination of his experience as a special teams coordinator at South Carolina, you know, I know South Caroli- Carolina um, have not been the best, I guess, uh, for a while, but you know, they did have a solid player in the return game in Debo Samuel um, a number of years ago. So Coleman Hutzler was one of the coaches that did coach special teams when he was there at South Carolina. I think the combination of both. Andre Coleman and Coleman Hutzler, that's kind of confusing, is, uh, yeah. you know, I do think that should improve Texas special teams. If it doesn't, I mean, it's just time to throw in the towel. Just, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Just pray you get a good punter, I guess, like uh, they had in Michael Dixon. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think if there's only so many different ways it can go. I don't think it could go much further down. I think that having these two guys that had that experience with special teams um, should Improve the play that you see in special teams for Texas moving forward.
0: Yeah, and Coleman Hutzler is um, A guy who has worked for good coaches. I mean he was with Jim Harbaugh at San Diego and then at Stanford and then he goes to um, He's with uh, Urban Meyer at Florida and is working with Steve Adazio there. Now, Steve Adazio is the offensive line coach, but that would come into play later um, when Steve Adazio ends up as the head coach at Boston College and hired um, uh, Coleman mm-hmm. to be his linebackers coach and, uh, and special teams coordinator. So, Um, you know, you work for Jim Harbaugh, you work for Urban Meyer, you work for Will Muschamp, and that sort of leads us back to Will Muschamp. Uh, So after being at New Mexico with Bob Davey for a couple of years, Coleman Hutzler, and he's only 35. I mean, now he's bounced around some because he's been with coaches who've either gotten new jobs, gotten fired, or he, you know, got hired away. So he was at, New Mexico with Bob Davey and then he's he's back with Muschamp at Florida then Muschamp gets fired after the 14th season so he goes to Boston College with Steve Adazio who he worked with at Florida and then Muschamp gets the job at South Carolina and Muschamp hires him again so we know Will Muschamp former coach-in-waiting at Texas is a big-time you know stickler for detail intensity, high energy. He would not be hiring Coleman Hutzler as his linebackers coach and special teams coordinator over and over again if if he didn't absolutely believe in the guy.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, must champs a defensive minded coach, too. So the fact that he's been on his staff, um, you know, for the last four seasons, I think it's a whether you like will Muschamp as a head coach or not i think it just shows you know it's hard to kind of count down that will Muschamp coach defense and so for him to be a member of that south carolina staff for that long i think is um you know as you said like telling um of what Col- coleman hustler can be at texas that's kind of what i personally think um you know one other thing chip that we didn't mention so last week when we last had our episode we were kind of hinting about Todd Orlando's next uh, landing spot and that's been officially announced so as I said in last week's episode I was sworn to secrecy on this location and Chip you said west and I said "Ah, technically well yes it's west Texas so uh, (laughs) congratulations to Todd Orlando being named the (laughs) assistant head coach and a linebackers coach at Texas Tech so he'll stay in the big 12 and will be uh, coaching against Texas here next season.
0: And I wonder how long he'll stay at linebackers coach. Yeah. Uh, Keith Patterson is the defensive coordinator. Uh, it wasn't a great year uh, defensively for Texas tech. And I'm just not sure how comfortable Matt Wells is with Keith Patterson when Todd Orlando is his guy. So yeah. that's just something to watch. And um matt wells is trying to get it right out there that seems to be the lubbock seems to be the place where defensive coordinators go to die but (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) that's that's what did cliff in we know we know he could move the football couldn't stop the football no but uh yeah that uh that will be interesting so what four of Tom Herman's coaches he's let go now our coordinators Drew Merringer Tim Beck Derek Wareheim well not Todd Orlando but maybe
1: basically a defense coordinator waiting possibly if he sticks around long enough yeah All right. let's bring in a publisher of Horns 24 7 Bobby Burton for chips and his rapid fire on all things Texas and including the uh, national championship game so let's go to Bobby Burton
0: the godfather Bobby Burton Bobby, National Championship game, LSU-Clemson. Kind of played out a little bit like the the (laughs) Texans-Chiefs. But, (laughs) Joe Burrow, I mean, 60 touchdown passes, six interceptions, over 5,000 yards passing, and he's throwing deep down the field like he had all all year, and they pull away from Clemson.
2: Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I think that, that really that offensive style um, was tremendous. I mean, I think, I think that when we look at, look back at that, uh, not only will Joe, Joe Burrow be uh, impressive um, in how he managed that offense, but I think it, I think we're looking at a new style of offense that takes in a lot of what Cliff Kingsbury um, and Mike Leach started out in or down in the, uh, uh, at Texas Tech, and now it's it's a little bit more ball control, yet still designing to get the, the receivers in one-on-one situations. And you look at the Rams, the Saints, uh, it's taking it to the college level, which, you know, it's questionable whether that, that really works sometimes, if you can bring pro-style offenses effectively to uh, the college level. But the LSU did it as well if not better than anybody ever has. So, and hats off. A big reason for that, obviously, is Joe Burrow. So I have no problem with uh, any sort of um, accolades he gets because, I I mean, he surprised me in the national championship game. And I mean that not necessarily from uh, the standpoint of uh, I didn't expect him to be good. I didn't expect him to be that good. Every big play outside of the first what, three series, I felt like he made. Um, whether it was a key throw, a big run, maximizing runs, um,
0: he was just all over it. So, I was, so uh, I was impressed. I want to put this to you because I – Tom Herman obviously was a candidate for that LSU job. It goes to Ed Orgeron. Orgeron wins the national championship in his, in his third season as the head coach at LSU. And I was asked – what how would LSU have done if Herman was the head coach and I said they would not have won the national championship because I don't think Tom Herman has been through enough growing pains or is mature enough as a head coach the way Orgeron was to after a 10 win season go get Joe Brady right and bring him in whereas we saw last year, Tom Herman, after a 10-win season, knowing that he had taken over play calling from Tim Beck, did not replace Tim Beck. He brought him back, and sure enough, defense is caught up. It, it was broken, and now Tom Herman is, is replacing Tim Beck with Mike Yurcich. If it, I, you, you get what I'm saying, I don't think Tom Herman would have gone and gotten Joe Brady uh, based on what we saw from Tom Herman at Texas. Yeah, I don't.
2: I, I don't think that Tom Herman thinks it's broken. Um, and there are different styles of head coaches, and Tom Herman is one that thinks he has a true grasp on the offensive side of the ball. Like he doesn't think he's good on the o- offense; he thinks he's great. So, someone overruling him and not. Abiding by him is just not going to happen, in my opinion. Ed Orgeron is different. Ed Orgeron is a defensive line coach, never really been a defensive coordinator, high, high energy guy, big, big time motivator. And that's his shtick. So he's going to hire offensive and defensive coordinators and try to let them do their thing. Ultimately, what happens is it could mean that. Um. This cycle of LSU being great could be not as long a cycle as you would if you had um, a one side of the ball great coach. Um, and so I, I I understand. I mean, look, Orgeron's not going to talk X's and O's over anybody's head. Um, but getting Joe Brady was a stroke of genius. And he deserves all the credit in the world for that. He also deserves all the credit in the world for having the talent on hand to do something with it, because he went out and got Joe Burrow, not not really anybody else. Um, And so when Joe Burrow was turned down by a number of programs. So my opinion is that Texas, uh, Tom Herman is just a different style head coach. Um, and I really, I mean, Lincoln Riley is a guy who thinks he knows everything about offense. He's not going to turn over the offense entirely to somebody else. Uh, I'm just going down the list. Jimbo Fisher's the same way. Um, in in some ways, Ed Orgeron's a lot like Mac Brown in that he's not caught up in the X's and O's so much as he is the big picture. And I think that plays uh, to your to the to the the strength of the program Dabo Sweeney's not that way or Dabo's not that way either. I mean, he's more, comes from an offensive background, but he never, I don't know that he was ever the coordinator at, at, uh, Clemson. So my, or before he became head coach. So my, my point being, there's different ways to skin the cat. Um, Clemson's done it by having this, a a good solid staff, but not an overwhelming staff. Uh, and, you know they lost Jeff Scott this year, so he'll go on to, to USF now. They're going to lose other guys, but you know, really, Dave Aranda is a head coach coaching waiting somewhere. Uh, Joe Brady is going to get a head coaching job or an offensive coordinator's job somewhere. Um, and yeah, his so his name has come up with Matt Rule as right. a possible OC for the Carolina Panthers. So my my point is is that all of that is good, and Steve Ensminger may stay on. I mean, he may be like the, their, the LSU Greg Davis, and so there may be some continuity. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's very clear Joe Brady brought something to that offense beyond, beyond just the style of offense. Um, I think he made some critical play calls. that I mean, Steve Ensbinger has got a long history, and he just never had that kind of feel for, for calling plays. And then, of course, having Joe, you mentioned it at the top, 60 touchdowns and six interceptions. Uh, and Joe Burrow helped both of them call plays. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> he made a lot of people look good. Well, and and so uh, there, there's well, all of that considered.
0: Think about this. So Joe Burrow was basically discovered by Tom Herman. I mean, Urban Meyer said that this year. That, you know, Herman was the one saying, you got to come see this guy. You got to come see this guy. And Urban's like, uh, uh, whatever. And then... He went to see him. He's like, you're right. We got to we got to offer him. And then because Tom Herman had Sam Ellinger. You know, coming off that freshman season. Think about that. He does not try to lure Burrow to Texas in in the transfer portal or whatever it was at that time. And he and Burrow ends up at LSU. So the guy discovered by Tom Herman ends up winning a national championship for LSU. And there's just all kinds of weird, you know, sliding doors opening and closing as it relates to LSU in Texas. And, of course, Bobby, they play in Baton Rouge next fall. Now, we don't know who the quarterback at LSU is going to be. De'Ara King is now in the portal at Houston. There was all kinds of speculation that maybe he'd end up at OU, but now it's looking more like, you know, he'd end up. You know, Arkansas has been mentioned, Miami.
2: Yeah, but... I think Arkansas is a big fit for him because Kendall Bryles is the former offensive coordinator
0: at mm-hmm. Houston,
2: and Kendall's now at Arkansas, and he tabbed—he's the one actually uh, tabbed D'Eric to to start. Um, so, along with Major Applewhite, and so I I I think that has Arkansas written all over it. Um, But we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But look, I agree with you that the quarterback conundrum Texas found itself in by not taking Joe Burrow or not aggressively going after him um, is, you know, it is what it is. I I think that Texas, as it looks toward next year, and I looked at LSU's depth chart, they lose heavy on offense. They're going to lose, I think, seven starters if if all the kids that go pro should go pro including Austin Deculus, who is a tremendous right tackle. Um, and one of the reasons why they were so good in pass protection last night. If they go pro, the ones that should, they'll lose seven on offense, but they'll only lose three or four on defense, I think. And if that's the case, you could see a little bit of a switch there on, on what, what happens in Baton Rouge. They're going to be much more battle-tested on defense than offense uh Texas will be more battle tested on defense in my opinion as well but they'll have a a veteran team headed in there i, I mean just it's it's going to be one of those games i think where anything could probably happen as long as uh Texas as long as Sam Ellinger's healthy going into it
0: yeah i mean it it's a great opportunity for Texas that's for sure cuz LSU will still be glowing with their uh, defending national championship aura, and if Texas can go into Baton Rouge with uh, a, a more, you know, a better offense, uh, it, with the element of surprise to some degree, with Mike Yersich as the offensive coordinator and Chris Ash as defensive coordinator, who knows? But it, it's a great opportunity for Texas. There's, there's no doubt in a year. Do you agree that next year, talent-wise, for Texas? is a year they should absolutely be in the Big 12 title game and contending for a playoff spot.
2: Boy, I would agree with that on defense. Um I look at their defense and I, I just feel like Texas has the best 11 they've had as a whole since uh, God, I'd go back to eight9 with Mustchamp. Yep. I think they're that I think they're that talented um at 11. I don't know. I don't know how deep they go yet, um, but they have experience at darn near every position. I mean, you really think about it. They're missing Brandon Jones and Malcolm Roach out of that group. Right. And maybe Jeff McCullough, who played a, didn't play a handful of games. Right. Um, and that's it. And Malcolm Roach was a key component. Don't get me wrong, but Malcolm Roach wasn't an overwhelming presence. Um, outside of the locker room like on the field he wasn't all world right. this year. um and so I look at that and I I mean Brandon and the same could be said for Brandon Jones I mean I, I I think he he played well this year but he wasn't overwhelming you know and so I just look at it and I think Texas has the best defense it's had on offense I just don't know and I think that this is this will lead us into a conversation that you and I were having that I shared with you before we started this call, Chip, and that's um, a, a Big 12 head coach was talking to a group of coaches and uh, someone kind of heard them talk about it and they, they asked them, a Big 12 coach, about, uh, uh, about Texas and why they were having problems. And he, the, the Big 12 head coach basically said, they don't have any speed. They weren't really, they're not fast. Is the actual word he used, and um, you you think about it, and maybe that's where on offense Texas hasn't been because Colin Johnson, frankly, is is a terrific possession receiver, but that's what he is, yep. All right, and that's what he has been. Malcolm Epps was his backup. Well, he's not real fast. Um, Brennan Eagles is fast, but does he play fast? That's a good question. I mean, it's a fair question sometimes, and um, other than. Uh, Devin DuVernay and, and, and Jake Smith, who didn't see a lot of action at all times this year. You don't know. It, I mean, is Texas got the, the cats to do it next year? Because Keontae Ingram and Roshan Johnson are good players, but they're not speedy. Sam Ellinger certainly isn't speedy. Cade Brewer is not a speed demon by any stretch. And so if, if speed is one of the things that people look at, I don't know that Texas is going to be able to remedy that. In a single year, Um, whereas on defense, I think they're there. So to your point, should they be in the in the title game? I can't tell you that for sure. Should they be in the hunt for it? I absolutely believe they should, because the only other two teams that bring back the type of talent that Texas does are OU and OSU. OSU getting Chuba Hubbard back is. Huge for them because now they have every piece of the puzzle on offense. Uh, they're adding some pieces on defense and they bring back most of their guys on defense. OU is just, I think, they just have so many guys that can can hurt you. And yes, they're going to be renewing all their uh, and changing quarterbacks, but the quarterback they got coming in. Uh, was the number one quarterback in the country as a high school senior. So, and he's a sophomore or a redshirt sophomore or redshirt freshman now. So, OU will be tough. OSU will be tough. Some other teams should be good. TCU and and Iowa State in particular. Uh, but, I mean, uh, if
0: Texas isn't competing for that that uh, Big Twelve title, I would be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, we're gonna finally see what Lincoln Riley does with uh high school quarterback. Maybe. I mean, it appears right now we're going to get to see Lincoln Riley uh, with a quarterback that he actually recruited out of high school and is developing himself as opposed to taking a quarterback out of the portal and sending him off to the Heisman ceremony. So, well,
2: the one I I will say this, the one that that he could have taken the J or that he could have wanted and really should have is the the Jamie Noonan kid that went to uh, Georgia from Wake Forest Um and he'll, he'll, uh, I, I bet you that guy's a Heisman trophy candidate next year if he gets 10, 11 wins at Georgia. So, you know, we've had three straight Heisman winners who were grad transfers or, or just transfers, I guess, yep. with, uh, Mayfield, Murray, and, and now Joe Burrow. And next year, Justin Fields has got to be the odds on leader,
0: right? So right. that would make four in a row. So. 41 touchdown passes, three interceptions. Yeah, those are those
2: are those stats those stats are just ridiculous, right? I I think my question for you, Chip, and th- and this is something that when I look at Texas and and think about them being in the Big 12 championship or in that mix, do you think this is that year for them or do you have some some reticence that that you would really go out on that limb? So,
0: it's it's sort of uh It's sort of, it's the best on paper that they're going to look, in my opinion. Of course, we say that, and then things change, and now with the transfer portal, seemingly, as college's free agency, things can change pretty quickly. But it seems like this is, with a veteran quarterback, the defense that you talked about, this is the best texas has been or most complete they've been in a long time i mean maybe back to 09 especially at the quarterback position because sam is has had good numbers he's played well and i think with a consistent offensive coordinator who's the one developing the offense evolving the offense i think ellinger is going to play really well and and We've seen Texas get by, I mean, Colt McCoy in 9 That was one of the worst offensive lines I've ever seen. No offense to, to those guys. They tried hard, but that was all Colt and Jordan Shipley. I mean, Trey Newton was the running back and, and what, Malcolm Williams was the other receiver? I mean, so if the defense is as good as maybe we think, and Ellinger can kind of figure it out. I mean, Ellinger outplayed Joe Burrow in Austin. Ellinger had four touchdown passes, 400 yards passing, no picks. Burrow had 400 yards passing, four touchdown passes and a pick. So, we walked out of that LSU game going, "Oh man, Sam Ellinger. Here comes Texas." And and then you know, my personal belief is that defenses started catching up to Herman he wasn't evolving the offense with the depth and the um the commitment that an, a normal offensive coordinator i.e. Lincoln Riley pick one you know spends the time evolving the offense and I think to Tom Herman's credit he hasn't come out and said it like that but to his credit he's making the change he's going and getting your and I think that your is a is a talented play caller so with all that said, I'm going to be reluctant to pick Texas to go to the Big 12 title game because we get tired of putting bananas in tailpipes, right? But I do feel like this is going to be their best opportunity to win a Big 12 title um, that they've had probably since oh9. And I, I know they were in the Big 12 title game a couple of years ago, but I, I think this team is going to be more complete. Now, you mentioned OU, Oklahoma State. Some of these other teams are growing up. Um, some of them have veteran experience, and they're going to have to play Oklahoma State in Stillwater. You always got to look at the schedule. So, I think Baylor comes down a little bit, but it's uh, if Baylor doesn't come down a
2: lot, I'll be surprised. Yeah, I mean, I, look, they lose, they lose so much, and with Lynch going pro too. I mean, I, Baylor's defense carried them this year, right? They in did. your opinion yes absolutely right i i think we both agree with that they lose what are they going to lose eight eight guys yep. off that including some guys with legit experience i mean lynch played brave what 40 Floyd. 40 yeah 40 plus games brave beyond roy um lockhart uh the uh corner james houston Those are, yeah they've got a lot of um uh, They've just got a lot of guys they that have thirty forty game playing experience, and those. I mean, I don't care who you are, you can get good players to come in behind them, but experience counts. And so I, I look for them to take a step back, um, but we'll we'll see. I guess. I mean, you never know. Uh, on offense, I think Jamichael Hasty was underrated this year as a player. Uh, Denzel Mims was always a a. a uh, a threat as well. The The thing that, that you mentioned about Sam Ellinger, and, and this is the one that I have to ask you about, because I, I felt like it wasn't so much that Tom and the coordinator, Tim Breck, didn't keep up and evolve the offense. I think that once, and this is the truth, once people started doubling Devin DuVernay on key downs and colin johnson started getting injured they had no they seem seemingly had no answer yep that's um a great point and I, I think that uh that may go back to um personnel um and what they have and and what's available to them because they they did not uh, if you remember they were Killing it on third down about midway through the season, then OU hit, and all of a sudden it kind of started petering from there, and that's really when teams started started doubling DuVernay on key downs and bracketing him, doing all kinds of different stuff just to keep the ball out of his hand, and and the other guys weren't doing enough to to make it. And Sam, in my opinion, was relying on Devin too much,
1: um, yeah. and
2: so let's see when I when I say all this, what I'm getting at is. It, Devin's obviously gone, so that's that's done. But Sam's um, progression as a fourth-year starter, it has to happen too, because he by the end of this year, Joe Burrow was was delivering the ball. He was distributing. I didn't really feel like Sam was ever distributing the ball this year to a group of several receivers. I I felt like he had two or three, and that was that was kind of it. You know, yep. so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, another thing I'd love to see is Texas get the ball in, in the hands of the, the running backs more um, in the flat um, and underneath uh, in the passing game. So we'll, we'll right. see how it, how it all evolves.
0: I'll end it on this, Bobby. What how would you feel if uh, Frank Ocam came in um, as the. D line or D tackles coach and Oscar Giles, the defensive ends coach. I think it's great. I mean, Texas has a proud
2: tradition on the defensive line. Frank is, I think, has proven himself as a a solid young coach. And um, as a alum, uh, you always like to see that kind of um, thing happen. You know, not that it it's it always happens or anything like that, but you'd like to see um, guys that uh, play at Texas come back and, and uh, be able to have that kind of uh, burn orange um, feel to them because it means a little more to them, you think, and maybe that can, they can impart that on the players around
0: them. Yeah. Well, good stuff. My man will have much more to talk about I, next week. I do want to say this real quick, Chip.
2: Yes, Frank, yes. O- Frank Oakham stay go whatever he ends up doing is a good guy
0: yes for sure So
2: um, I think that uh, he fits well I mean I, I don't I would not be surprised if he's eventually in the NFL as a as a D-line coach so
0: yeah he did had an amazing um, defensive line this this year that he's red hot um, no question about that Bobby great stuff my man the godfather in the house on the flagship podcast. Let's do it again next week. All right. You take care.
2: I'll see you chip. All right. There he is. Bobby Barton. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road with available H track, all wheel drive and three row seating. My whole family can head deep into the wild, conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe.
0: Joined now on the flagship podcast by one of our absolute favorites and one of the must follows on Twitter. Follow him at Life of Fitz, the one and only uh, Fitzy, we call him Fitzy. The publisher of GoPowerCat.com, all knowing about all things K-State, um, Fitzy, how you doing my
3: man? I'm good. I had a small nervous breakdown start in the first quarter of the Chiefs game yesterday, but I quickly recovered for some reason. It was miraculous.
0: That was amazing. Real quick, the Chiefs had this incredible comeback. Pat Mahomes from White House, Texas. Amazing. But when you look at the Texans, what, what do you what did you make of the decision to me? I didn't care about the field goal. Take the field goal. If you go for it on fourth down and make it, there's no guarantee you're going to score a touchdown. You kick the field goal, you're on the road, take the points, It goes up 24 nothing. My problem was with the fake punt because you only gave your defense really one possession to settle in after a horrible start by the Chiefs offensively and then you go to that and risk giving up all that momentum. I couldn't stand that call by Bill O'Brien.
3: Yeah, see, I didn't like the... The field goal, I would have gone for it. Um, you know, it's one of those things, you're so deep in their territory, the worst thing to happen is you give them the ball behind three touchdowns and they have to go, what, 95 yards or whatever it was to get on the board. So I didn't like that. I thought um, then the, the fake punt was just atrocious. It was just unbelievable. Uh, I, don't, I don't understand that at all. There was just a number of things he did in the course of that game that were bizarre, to say the least. You know, the, the Chiefers got off to just a horrendous start, but I'm telling you lot, Patrick Mahomes is on a whole different level than anyone else in the league. Yeah. There's some really good young quarterbacks. I love Lamar Jackson. He's really good at what he does, but Mahomes has that thing, that extra. He's a leader. Um, you could see him rallying the troops, and I don't know if people down your way understand this. He is a god in Kansas City, not because <laughs> he's a great football player, but because he's a great person. People yeah. just absolutely love this kid. Uh, and he's I mean, he's really giving Kansas City something really special because uh, you know, you think about the, it really is a historic franchise and they haven't been to back to back AFC championships in history and he just has done it now in his first two years as a starter. So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. No, he is he totally gets it, and that's that's fantastic for the Chiefs who, who have their own history of postseason shakiness so for them to overcome that 24 point deficit should be an amazing game against the titans who are we had um tim crowder on our podcast last week tim crowder was a defensive lineman on the 2005 texas national championship team and he said the titans are the most dangerous team in the playoffs because they have the best offensive line the best defensive line and they can run the football and He said, I like the Titans against the Ravens, and I was like, okay, then, and he called it, so the Titans are underrated uh, because of how good they are up front. should be a great, great game. Talking to Tim Fitzgerald. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. They remind me of the
3: Eagles a couple years ago that kind of got off the mat and got into the playoffs and ended up winning the Super Bowl. It's a remarkable turnaround the Titans. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, Ryan Tannehill playing the role of Nick Foles. Yep. Um, Talking to Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com. Of course, the big news this week, and we're we're recording on Monday, is the elevation of Andre Coleman, former offensive coordinator and receivers coach at K-State, to receivers coach at Texas. So, of course, we wanted to come to you, Fitzy, because no one covers K-State like you do. And from 2013 to 2017, Andre Coleman was the receivers coach at K-State, working with guys like Tyler Lockett, Curry Sexton, um, Byron Pringle, and and also working with the return game with a first-team All-Big 12 guy like DJ Reed in 2017. Give us your thoughts, Fitzy, on on Andre Coleman uh, as receivers coach at Texas.
3: Yeah, uh, it, it's you know a comfortable hire for Coach Herman because he's got him right there in house and knows what kind of quality person he is, and that's where you start with Andre. He's a good dude. He's just an all around good dude. He's a great player at Kansas State. You know, he's part of that uh, '93 Copper Bowl team that uh, you know got K State into the bowl business for good under Bill Snyder. That was the first one. First bowl victory in uh, school history, second bowl in school history, but he was an MVP of that because he had a a punt return for a touchdown and, you know, then went on to have a punt return for a touchdown in the Super Bowl. He knows the return game exceptionally well, so he's played a role as a player and a coach in K-State's just, you know, historic return game. I mean, it continued this year, even though we had to change the coaching staffs, and uh, okay, so is just really good in that they always have been under Bill Snyder and since then uh, And you know, he was one heck of a receiver too. So I think it's a very good hire for Texas uh, You know considering the the situation they're in right now uh, a little a little uncertainty around the program And I think he's kind of a known commodity and he knows what he's getting into
1: Talking to Tim Fitzgerald uh, publisher of gopowercat.com now Fitz You know, Andre Coleman spent a little bit of time on the recruiting trail um, this past December when he was activated as an interim receivers coach after Tom Herman fired both Drew Meringer and Corby Meekins. Um, But aside from that, you know, he hasn't been a recruiter for Texas being in an analyst type of role for the 2019 season. What stood out to you when he was recruiting at Kansas State?
3: Well, when he gets after it, he's pretty darn good. He's really good in the home. You know, if you look at K-State's roster, you you see some guys from Georgia and North Carolina. Uh, you know, Byron Pringle uh, came to K-State out of Tampa, the junior college ranks, but he was out of Tampa where he'd been recruiting him for Youngstown State and then he ended up at K-State. Uh, once he gets in the home, he's very effective. He does a good job. You know, kind of keeping his nose to it is the thing because coaches were really given too much leeway under Bill Snyder. Uh, you know, kind of put recruiting on the back burner. That's really eventually what undid Coach Snyder's tenure. Is they just weren't getting enough players, and you know, Andre was around for that. So, uh, I, I think with the emphasis that is put on recruiting in Texas and getting out and seeing so many kids, particularly in you know, the Texas, the state of Texas, uh, it's he's not going to fall off on that. He recruited some really good players. I mean, Liza Sullivan, starting linebacker for K State. Uh, Isaiah Zuber, who was a great receiver and transferred to Mississippi State for his senior year, were among those players. Uh, Justin Hughes, who missed this season, was going to be starting middle linebacker and then blew out his knee at the end of spring, and uh, he'll be back at the linebacker spot next year. Another Andre Coleman guy. But we're talking about, you know, fifth-year guys, uh, fourth- and fifth-year guys, and that's really the last you know, flurry of recruiting Andre had it for Kansas State. and uh, He kind of let his ga- his foot off the gas a little bit.
0: Um talking to Tim Fitzgerald, go dot about Andre Coleman, the new receivers coach at Texas course served as well played as, as Tim pointed out, played for Bill Snyder and then coached receivers from 2013 to 17 and was the offensive coordinator in 2018. So when you look at the resume of receivers he worked with, obviously it starts with Tyler Lockett, who my gosh, when he left K state had, a ton of records, and now everybody's watching him kill it with the Seattle Seahawks. How much credit? I mean, obviously Tyler Lockett is a is a talented dude and had a lot of uh, motivation, self motivation. But you know, give us your thoughts on his work with guys like Tyler Lockett and Curry Sexton.
3: Well, you know, there's some similarities there with both of those guys and how Andre played. Uh, you know andre's a smaller guy, maybe not quite as small as Tyler or Curry, but he had to make way with his his speed and being very good and sound catching the ball and Tyler turned himself into a great receiver he 's not just the fast guy he's a hands guy too, and that's a really special thing and and Tyler worked his way to that but i he got some really good coaching along the way of course his his dad Kevin Lockett was a you know a historic figure in k State football too so and a teammate of andres so uh, there's kind of an uncle-type relationship there with, you know, literally knowing that young man for his entire life. And I think there was a real connection. He does a good job uh, coaching receivers into the roles that they need. And I think, uh, uh, you know, the difference with what he'll coach at Texas and what he had to coach at K-State is you, you just get a more physically gifted, you know, guy at, at Texas than what you had at K-State. You had, you know, at K-State, you got to go find the Tyler Lockett a little guy that other people's over, overlooked because of his size. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State you know, passed on him out of Tulsa Union and K-State got him. And, you know, we can see what they did with his speed. Now, Texas, you're going to get the six fours, you know, six three guys that can run and are big and strong. Um, and that's, you know, it's the type of uh, recruiting wealth that he hasn't had an opportunity to coach, so that'll be fascinating to watch.
0: Fitz, um, in terms of... Andre Coleman's work with the return game, that's something that has been absolutely horrible for Texas for years now, really since Jordan Shipley back in 08 with a little bit of a flash flurry from um, his brother Jackson Shipley, but really inconsistent. And when you look at Andre Coleman's resume there at K-State, he's given credit for working with, a guy like DJ Reed, uh, with Byron Pringle, guys, you know who were excellent in the return game. Talk about the value that Bill Snyder put on special teams, especially the return game, and where Coleman fit into that. And I tell you what, you it, you can do
3: a whole podcast on K State's history of return returners, uh, oh. and it starts with Andre Coleman, it really does. And you know, you you go through the locket brothers um and then you get to kevin's son and tyler but you had a guy like david allen i know he had some big returns against texas in the past Uh, you've got jordy nelson out there he ate
0: Texas
3: up too yeah it's just amazing all the guys uh that you know you can just list off that continued now with joshua youngblood who got one on on texas it's just really amazing (laughs) and and really it's uh it's really about the 10 other guys as much as the one guy. And there's just a culture of those guys that, uh, this is my job. I'm buying into this. And, you know, a lot of walk-ons and scholarship guys that are still trying to prove their way. Um, they take a lot of pride in that. I know that kickoff return unit, those other 10 guys, uh, it was a real fraternity this year and, you know, young blood got what three or four up on the board this year. Um, it's, it's really remarkable to watch, but There's a nuance, there's a a gift to being a great returner. Uh, A a lot of that comes with confidence in those other 10 guys. Uh, Here's the play we're going to run, and I'm going to run it and have faith that by the time I get to the hole, it will be there. And, uh, you know, once you get a returner to buy in with that kind of confidence, it really starts to click for you.
1: Talking to Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com. Tim, in Tom Herman's type of offense, the slot receiver – is a huge role. And for the last two seasons at Texas, the leading receiver for the Texas offense has been the person filling that slot role with Lil Jordan Humphrey, 2018, Devin DuVernay in 2019. You know, with Coleman being a little bit of a smaller type of guy, his playing experience and coaching some of the guys at K-State, would you say slot is a position where he can excel or would you consider him more of a jack of all trades type of receivers coach?
3: Yeah, probably a jack of all trades, but I, I, if I recall, it, he was more in the slot at his size. Uh, K State's offense—you're not really one receiver um, under Snyder. You would, you would go out there, and on this play, you're the X, and the next play, you're the Y, and you know certain guys would would be better at other spots, but you're just kind of moving all over the field. Um, but he is kind of a slot guy uh, by nature with his size and speed and, and strength. He's, he was a strong receiver too, so. Um, yeah, I think he'll be an all-around good receivers coach. I, I don't think there's one position that, that maybe he'll be better than the others. And, and maybe uh, you know, not excellence at anything, but he's not going to be bad at anything either. Uh, he's just going to be a really solid, solid coach for Texas.
0: So Andre Coleman gets elevated to offensive coordinator at K-State in 2018, and that proves to be Bill Snyder's last year. What? How would you describe how things went with Andre Coleman as the offensive coordinator?
3: My sense is Andre thought it would be a lot easier job than it was. Um, my sense is that he, he saw some things when Dana Demmel was calling the plays and thought he could do things differently, and it didn't work out that way for him. The, the offense really did kind of struggle that year, maybe partly because of talent, but uh, they also really didn't have anything to hang their hat on and ended up leaning on the quarterback run way too much. Um, I don't think Andre was quite ready for that responsibility. I think he, you know, can be a good, very good passing game coordinator to help, you know, coordinate that type of thing. But overall, making the play calls on game day, he was really green at it. And you you expect some kind of growth process during that one year he did it, but we really didn't see that. He kind of struggled the whole way through.
0: So, um Talking to Tim Fitzgerald, gopowercat.com here on the flagship podcast. And um, this is another reason to become um, an annual member with the special that we have going right now. Uh, grab that 30% off annual membership. You can get on to gopowercat.com and read all their VIP content with that annual membership. Um, so there's nothing like it. And in Fitzy, when we look at you said it's a comfortable hire for Tom Herman. Do you do you feel like this is a, a really a good hire, an underrated hire? Of, uh, what would you say to Texas fans right now who are they're they're whip right now by having both coordinators fired and and now all this you know all these new faces coming on there right now. It looks like two or three coaches are going to be retained from the previous staff, what would you say to Texas fans right now about the hire of Andre Coleman?
3: Yeah, you
0: know, it's kind of nice
3: that he was in the system last year, or this year, how you want to look at it, that he understands what Coach Herman expects from assistant coaches, um, even though he was just an analyst, and he understands the system because that's primarily what an analyst is doing. They're self-scouting, and taking care of, you know, evaluating what they have and what they're doing right and wrong. Uh, so he he was kind of absorbed in the system, and it was almost like a, a year of learning in the system. So there's going to be a real comfortable move into the coaching position for Andre Coleman. I think he knows exactly what he's getting into and Herman knows what he's getting from him. So in a turmoil of having a bunch of guys, maybe coming from the outside, uh, he will be almost like a retained coach in the fact that he understands what's going on around it.
0: All right. We'll let you go on this Fitzy. Um, K-State sum up year one of the Chris Kleiman era and, and what the Wildcats have coming back as we head into spring football.
3: Well, surprising eight wins was, you know, really, really something that we didn't see coming. And, uh, you know, it could have been more than that. They lost to West Virginia. They lost a close game at Texas. They, you know, lost a very winnable game with Navy and the Liberty bowl. So there was real opportunities to pick up even more than eight in the first year, which would have been astounding. Uh, so I think the program's got a good head of steam, some momentum. But he did inherit talent that was really thin at some positions, and even at the place like the offensive line that had a lot of senior depth uh, didn't really fit what he wants physically from an offensive line. So in some ways, year two will be just as much of rebuilding as they, they kind of uh, build up some depth and uh, they have to start from scratch on the offensive line with a group of guys maybe more in the image they want. Uh, But with no experience, so it's going to be, you know, another growing year. And I think if they can just get back to a bowl in year two, it'd be pretty good. But I think they're laying a foundation. They had a really solid, solid recruiting class. Nice. You know, it doesn't matter where it's rated Where K-State. Did you get guys that fit your system? Are they going to make you better than you were before, uh, you know, they were recruited? And I think the answer is an emphatic yes. They got a lot of help. They got some, you know, nice skill guys but they got some really nice linemen along the way. Uh, This is really interesting for those of us who covered K-State for a long time. So much of this program is like Bill Snyder and yet so completely different. So much more open, more media opportunities, uh, more uh, optimism, uh, just a a lot more happy faces around and not just the constant grind and work that got them to where they're going. And yet uh, the attention to details there, uh, the basis of, you know, running the football and being physical and having a great return game, all of those things are still in place in Manhattan. So it's a very comfortable new fit for uh, a coaching staff. And I think these guys really like being in Manhattan too.
0: The quarterback position. Always ask that question. Um, What do you see in the quarterback position for K state next season? Well, I mean,
3: they've got Skylar Thompson for another year. Um, you know, they've got a couple young guys. Jaron Lewis, who would, was a redshirt, a true freshman this year, uh, might be, you know, the real backup, Nick Ost, a, a walk-on. Uh, he does a lot of things they really like. Well, they've got Will Howard, a, a freshman coming in in this class. He'll be here in the spring. So, he you know, he'll be available if they get into trouble, at quarterback with injuries. And they just got a commitment from a four-star out of Colorado. So, they've really hit that spot hard mm-hmm. to go get, go get guys that uh, – they think fit their system, and they want. Tell you what,
0: it uh helps to have experience at quarterback. In K State, has it? um Fitzy, you're the man. And and last thing, does Chris Kleiman actually have meals with the team?
3: Have meals with the team? Does
0: he eat with the team? I remember Bill Snyder. No, the players never saw Bill Snyder at the at the pregame what? meals and stuff. Because he didn't eat.
3: They he never know ate with the team. He never ate. He he he, he went would to Taco eat. Bell like, at midnight. That's exactly it. He'd a big meal right before he went to bed because it put him to sleep. <laughs> and then he'd eat like a fruit cup or some yogurt or something during the day. The man <laughs> probably weighs 120 pounds now.
1: Oh my goodness.
3: Oh I could eat more barbecue than Bill Snyder weighs. Oh man. If you gave me 120 pounds of barbecue, give me a week, it's gone. Um <laughs> I'm miserable. But Bill Snyder, he, the man, I'm surprised he didn't blow away in a, on a Kansas windy day.
0: <laughs> Speaking of blown away, did you watch the Texas K-State basketball game over the weekend?
3: I don't want to talk about K-State basketball. Don't do that to me. Okay. I just uh, well, podcast. We don't want to
0: talk about Texas basketball either, so we'll just end it up. And that. it was better than Kansas State by 14 oh, points. Oh, unbelievable. They won the Big 12 last year, Chip. Now they can't win a game. Oh, man. Yeah, it's just awful. Well, Fitzy, you're the man. Um, Happy New Year, my friend. Any chance we get to talk to our man, Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com, we always seize the moment.
3: This was a great edition of the three Ps in the podcast.
0: Yes. (laughs)
1: Three Ps in the podcast, yes. There it is. (laughs) We'll have to post the picture with it, too. I got (laughs) you.
0: I love it. Uh, there he is, Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com. Grab that annual membership at Horns 24-7, and, and and then go check out GoPowerCat.com and all that incredible VIP content there. Fitzy, you're the best, man. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you, guys.
1: Always great stuff from Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com. Um, really good insight, I thought, Chip, to Andre Coleman, um, both as you know a coach and then also as a recruiter, It is kind of interesting because, you know, Fitz mentioned this, but his recruiting background is going to be a lot different than what he's going to have at Texas. As Fitz mentioned, you know, Bill Snyder, kind of what was the end of his uh, tenure there at Kansas State was that he didn't really press too hard in recruiting. You know, it was kind of relaxed approach. And as we know, Tom Herman is not a relaxed approach type of uh, head coach. So but I do think it'll be good. You know, it's kinda of interesting how Fitz kind of called it a comfort hire, but I do think it's good that Andre Coleman understands at least the type of program that Tom Herman uh runs here at Texas.
0: Right. Having been an analyst and seeing it up close, mm-hmm. he knows he knows what he's getting into. He knows the temperament, the culture of Tom Herman's program, and and so I think that's I think that's good. And and look, Herman gets People to perform. I mean, they, again, he's got some interesting idiosyncrasies. He's maybe not the most personable guy or fans don't feel a personal connection to him. But there are other coaches out there who are highly successful who don't give you the warm and fuzzies. So,
1: right. His former mentor, Urban Meyer, I mean, from the same cloth, I would say.
0: Right. We're what Netflix is about to release the Aaron Hernandez documentary. Oh, gee, yeah. And Urban Meyer is interviewed in that. I mean, there's question about whether Aaron Hernandez murdered someone while he was at Florida. Right. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's kind of a different deal. But Tom Herman, his teams play tough. They are physical. They just beat the crap out of Utah in the Alamo Bowl. And Andre Coleman knows what to expect in uh, Herman's culture. So I... I think this is a good hire. I know there was some excitement level around Emmett Jones and Emmett was a receiver's coach at Texas Tech. And I reported in the eyes of Texas that Graham Harrell had contact with Emmett Jones. If Graham Harrell was gonna go to Texas as offensive coordinator, he was you know, he wanted to know if Emmett Jones was interested. Well then when Graham Harrell didn't Leave USC. Lo and behold. Uh, there was a quiet period a, a, a time where Emma Jones wasn't contacted by anyone at Texas and he accepted a, a, a new title and raise the passing game coordinator and and signed a new contract. And as I reported at horns twenty four seven that that contract has a six hundred thousand dollar buyout now it wasn't a deal breaker, I'm told, but it it just didn't work out like the communication wherever Tom Herman was in the process of uh of the search and obviously the month of December was a long month. Tom Herman was trying to to finish up a recruiting class, then coach his team leading into the bowl game. There's a, there was a lot of downtime. Um, And so Emma Jones signs a new deal. And then when Tom Herman finally talks to him, (laughs) Oh, you signed a new deal. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So Andre Coleman, I think um, Emma Jones, let's be honest, would have been a knockout recruiter, former, Dallas high school coach at South Oak cliff. The guy can walk into any high school in Dallas and, and everybody's going to listen to him. And that's, that's what Texas needs, especially with Tim Beck gone from the staff. We'll let Mike Roach and, and Bobby take most of that. Nonetheless, I think Andre Coleman brings good technical coaching. He understands what Tom Herman expects in recruiting. And, and I agree. I think it's uh um, you know, I think he'll, he'll rise to the occasion.
1: Yeah. No doubt about it. Let's take it another direction here. So, um, Monday night was the college football playoff national championship game between Clemson and LSU. LSU, you know, basically smoked Clemson. It was close game there in the first, um, you know, few quarters, (laughs) but got away from them really quickly. Like pretty much every game that LSU played in this year. So, There's just really interesting ties between LSU and Texas, you know, with Ed Orgeron before he was hired at LSU. You know, Tom Herman's name was in the mix for the head coaching job at LSU. Then Texas came in, offered him, he takes that job. Ed Orgeron is then promoted to head coach at LSU. So there's a lot of kind of intermingling there, being as you were the person that reported all of that as it was going down back in uh, during the twenty sixteen season. You know, I'm curious for your take on Edward Giron now winning a national championship at the school that was interested in Tom Herman.
0: Yeah, and I, I think people are ready for certain things, certain successes in life based on failures. Mm-hmm. And I I used Nick Foles as an example. Nick Foles passed over everywhere. Michigan State, you know, left Arizona State it just bounced around he finally got to Arizona and and it went well and then he goes into the NFL bounces around again um, and and then almost retires and it's because he's at, in Kansas City with Andy Reid because his dad like lobbied for him lobbied Andy Reid to sign him to a one year deal that he ends up with Doug Peterson in Philly and becomes Super Bowl MVP no one thought he could do that well, Ed Orgeron is sort of a similar story, and even Joe Burrow. And again, the irony that Tom Herman is the one who discovered Joe Burrow and convinced Urban Meyer to give him a scholarship. And then Joe Burrow ends up, you know, rising to this meteoric, unprecedented season as a college quarterback and even plays against Texas. And then Ed Orgeron ends up as the the fallback for LSU after Tom Herman gets the offer from Texas and takes it. And I know tons of LSU fans who are like, oh, can't believe we hired Ed Orgeron. You know, this guy's a rockhead. Well, what Ed Orgeron, the, the Ed Orgeron they knew was the one that was a complete micromanager at Ole Miss, wouldn't listen to his assistants, tried to do everything and It was a disaster.
1: Yeah, ten and and twenty-five, right? Wasn't it record there? Yes. Ten and yeah, yeah, twenty-five, right? Yeah.
0: And and he he just it it burned out and it burned out badly. And then you know Lane Kiffin hires him at U.S. He's a great defensive line coach. He's always been a great defensive line coach. He was at with the Miami Hurricanes when they were great. And then you know, um, and then he's at U.S.C. with Lane Kiffin and and Lane Kiffin gets fired on the tarmac, and they elevate Orgeron, and he goes like 6-2, and 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 the players were like, hey, man, hire Ed Orgeron. Well, he's not a fit in L.A. Right. Where he is a fit is in his home state of Louisiana. And so think of all the Joes. This is my other favorite thing about LSU. You got Joe Burrow, Joe Brady, who I'm going to get to here in a second, and Joe Oliva the former athletic director at LSU, who LSU fans hated and thought he was a complete rockhead because he, you know, they thought he could have gotten Jimbo Fisher and he just does everything wrong and terrible and stupid. Well, Joe Oliva hires at Orgeron Mm -hmm. and Orgeron because of the failures was finally ready to listen. And the decision he made after a 10 win season, Taylor, where, Mm -hmm. They they go ten and three, lose that crazy game to A and M, and he decides, you know what, I gotta I gotta go I gotta do something on offense. Yeah. And with his close friend Steve Ensminger, and they decide, hey, let's we're hearing good things about this guy Joe Brady with the Saints. Let's bring him in, and the rest is history. And I've said. I said to Bobby, I don't think Tom Herman wins the national championship if he's the coach at LSU, because I don't know who he would have brought in Would he brought Tim back as his offensive coordinator at LSU, probably. And Tom had a chance to let go of Tim back after a 10 win season last year when he knew it wasn't working. And he didn't, in part because he's a young coach who doesn't want to show anyone that he's made a mistake. Right. I was told after year one that there was no way he was going to fire a coordinator because He knew the percentages that if you fire a coordinator after year one, your chances of surviving to year five drop by like 40%. And so he hasn't had the failures that Ed Orgeron has had and the humbling to make a decision and say out loud, hey, we got to go address this because it's not working. Even as Tom Herman has made all these changes on his staff, He's continued to say the offense is fantastic, it's great. Sam Ellinger, you know, sixth and passing. When it wasn't great. And you know what? I mean, I mean Tom's kind of said it. He's like it took too much of my time and energy. Yeah, what what he's saying there is I need a full-time guy who can go evolve this offense against really talented coaching in this league and on, and on our schedule. It'd be nice if he just said that and kind of he could even joke about it saying, "Hey, I told y'all I didn't like calling plays from the sidelines. Yeah. I'm you know, anyway, good for Ed Orgeron. I'm I it all worked out the way it's supposed to. He's from Louisiana, he loves that state. He always says go Tigers. They love him. It's a love affair. It's unbelievable right now. And guess what? Texas goes in to Baton Rouge in September and I can't wait.
1: Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. It's going to be I mean, it's going to be a great, even though, you know, with Joe Burrow being gone, you know, one person whose name has kind of entered the mix as a potential transfer quarterback is Houston's Derek King. Um, I believe Sam Kahn of ESPN on Monday night reported that LSU could be a very much be a landing spot for him. So, you know, that's a, a talented quarterback that they could have running that offense at LSU. I think it's going to be interesting, but, you know, Chip, I thought you bring up a good point with. Ed Orgeron kind of learning through his failures. You know, Tom, what what is Tom's worst season? I mean, his worst season as a head coach was 7 and 6 in that Texas his first year. That was his worst season as a head coach in college football. So, you know, I think one thing that we've seen from Tom Herman is you know, it's hard not to go back to his comments after the Iowa State game. You know, Texas was beaten in that game, they had a chance to win. They couldn't pull it off. Iowa State did pull it off when they had the chance to win. To me, that comes down to the head coach. And when it mattered, Texas didn't answer there. And when Tom Herman talked, was asked about, you know, were you guys just outcoached or what, his first reaction was to say, I would never admit to that. And that's just, I think, the difference between Ed Orgeron and Tom Herman at this state of their careers. Now, I don't think that Tom Herman can eventually evolve into a more accountable head coach, you know, not accept his failures, one to change it, obviously, no one wants to fail, but you have to accept, you have to be graceful in winning and in losing and, you know, in success and in failure. Tom Herman hasn't really had to go through that type of failure, you know, and so I think it could be a little bit of a bumpy road if if things do, if Texas does hit adversity, you know, moving forward, you have a head coach that, this was his first time ever being a third year head coach in his career. So that's, this is uncharted, you know, territory that Tom Herman is in and with just his kind of personality, you know, kind of a, as as everyone knows, I don't think it's, it's, um, I'm not trying to knock him at all, but you know, he's, he's a very cocky type of coach and young and has a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And so I think that he could almost, um, use some failure. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but I think it could eventually help him evolve into the next level of a good college football coach. I just think right now, he's just so green in his career as a head coach that it's going to possibly come with time. And I know that's not something that people want to hear, but it could be the case.
0: Yeah. I mean, he kind of reminds me of some of the the New England Patriots assistants who've gone away from Bill Belichick and and carry themselves with this elite confidence even though it was Bill Belichick and his failures that caused Belichick to become the great coach that he is now not what these assistants did to make Bill Belichick a great coach and and so it's fascinating because life is about confidence you have to carry yourself with confidence and as a coach of 100 men, 85 scholarship players, all from different backgrounds, you've got to connect. And I do think that Tom Herman um, connects. Now, sometimes it burns hot, and when you're not winning, that sucks. Mm-hmm. So let's see. He did have failure this year. Now, whether he sees it as that or not, I'm not Sorry. sure. Yeah, But he did have failure. The fans were angry and, and it at eight and five it sounds a lot better than than six and seven or seven and six so um was that enough of a, a look over the cliff cliff's edge uh learning experience for tom herman to to grow i, I obviously he's made these changes on his staff and that took a lot it took mm-hmm. a lot when you change out both your coordinators everybody knows that's you're kind of at the end of the line in terms of who you can blame. So, um, and other coaches have done it. Saban reset after one year, both coordinators, Dabo after year one his offensive coordinator. And after year two, his defensive coordinator. So at Clemson and now look at those coaches. So it, it's, it's going to be fascinating and heck we'll have more. We'll have more news next week. Cause Texas is still looking for a, a defensive line coach, and uh, tight ends coach. And Stan Drayton, this is the goofiest thing. Um, It's, (laughs) I mean, this is a depends on who you ask situation. If you ask the Cowboys, Stan Drayton interviewed and has an offer from the Rams. If you ask people close to Stan Drayton, it's almost like, what? Nothing's happened. There's nothing yes. there's there's nothing going on. There's sure. nothing to see here. So, we'll we'll obviously have an answer on that as well next week. So, um Taylor, you're the best. Thanks for everything you do at horns247.com. And uh, everybody have a great week and we'll talk to you again next week on the Flagship Podcast.